This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs. Hello everyone, I'm Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs and the host of Vegas Rock Dog Radio. In today's show, I'm talking about tongue health and animal testing by pet food companies. So stay right there. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Hi everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host. My name is Sam. I'm the queen of rock and roll dogs. And this is Vegas Rock Dog Radio. We are a rock and roll show all about pets, people and pop culture. So it's not exclusive to dogs. It is about any kind of animal in the animal world. Before we get started today, let me introduce my, <laughs> what title would you want? Producer. Person of the technology. Oh gosh, Jim Dorigo. Jim Dorigo is here doing his uh, his producer duties. <laughs> Sometimes the con- equipment confounds me. I know, Jim, I know. And also in studio, we have a couple of assistants they're kind of lazy, but they're very cute. And that's Mr. Twix and Miss Thornton. They have the best jobs <laughs> They here. do. And Miss Galaxy looks down on us from the Rainbow Bridge as we aim to bring you a great show every week full of information. If you would like to connect with us elsewhere other than listening to the show live, which we love it when people listen live. It's so much more fun. You can also connect with us, of course, on our website, VegasRockDogRadio.com, and you'll find us on Periscope, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. We do have a blog, TheRockAndRollDog.com, and if you miss a live show, you can catch up on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spoke by SiriusXM, and Spreaker, and any other podcast app you may have on your phone. We also have a little tiny show called Pet Tip of the Day that you'll also find on iTunes. And uh, lots of, um, what they say, info nuggets, as they like to say, info nuggets. And so uh, that's how you can connect with us. What we do really like is when you post pictures of your pets on our Facebook page. We love that. Today, I posted a picture of Mr. Twix and his tongue that was almost up to his, it could have licked his eyeballs, yeah, and asked people to post their pictures too. And it's really cute. So do not be shy. Post your pics, pics of your pets. Tell us who they are, why you love them. Don't forget the name. Most people forget the names. They go, this is my dog. <laughs> you say no this is toby or whatever your pet's name so don't be shy and uh, if you've got cute pictures on instagram tag me tag me so i get to see them there as well i do have a tip of the week since we are talking about tip of the week and that is two groomers it's worth having two groomers in case one of them is not available and in our experience we use a second groomer For those in-between nail trims and trim around the face and the feet, when we can't get in at our main groomer. Because he turns into a shaggy monkey in no time. He's like Bigfoot. A shaggy, floppy mop. People think he's a 40-pound dog and he's 20. He has a 40-pound bark. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, he has a hundred pound bark. When we first heard him bark, we went, whoa, whoa, where did that come from? He didn't bark for a while. When we no, he didn't. Him. He didn't bark for a while. And then when he did, it was like, whoa, that's a big bark for a little 20 pound dog. Anyway, he looks a lot bigger when he's got his shaggy coat and he does look cute and adorable. And it grows fast. It grows very, very quickly. I mean, at one point, I think we were taking him in every three to four weeks. Most people get to do six weeks. I'm like, oh, I wish, I wish. So we did. We took him to our second groomer, who we've known well over 10 years anyway, both of them. And he got those little toenails done this week. And uh, he gets to get the full groom as well. But this way, his nails, we keep those nails down. So important. We actually do Thorntons at home. She's, it's funny. 12 years we've been doing her nails at home. She sometimes, she's not a nightmare, but sometimes she looks at me like, well, you expect me to do what? And so I've been doing that for 12 years. <laughs> and she's just irritated, but not, she doesn't get crazy or anything like that. But it does save, save us time and it does save us some money as well. And we have tried to introduce gradually the Dremel to Mr. Twix. And, you know, we just let him hear the noise of it. Then we actually let it, it touches nail like yeah, he, slightly. He, he doesn't like that. And he's like, much. okay, that's enough. I'm like, okay. We told him how great he was. And it's a positive experience. So one day we may just get there. You never know. Now, as far as grooming goes, wow. <laughs> I've had friends that have attempted to groom their dogs. And I mean, I'm probably one of the most confident people you'll ever meet who will say, I can do that. I am that person, Auntie Jim. I can do that. I can fix that. I can build that. I can paint that. I can create that. But I don't think I would just get some clippers and <laughs> start clipping my dog. You did talk about it though, and I'm I like, did. Are I would you like. Serious? I would have to learn you how need to, to get do training. It. I, yes, I would. I, you know, and our friend Joni, who's a, who's a groomer, she's wonderful. She would teach me. I know she would. And uh, we've got other friends that actually learn how to do it. Save money, save time. Because think about it. Got to get them down to the groomers, and they're gone for ages. And got to pick them back up and coordinate, and oh, all of that. It's a lot. It's a lot. And the dog more, haircuts more than a human haircut. I know, and and they're more comfortable at home. Hmm. So, as I say, I know I can do it, but I'm going to need some training for that. I would not pick up clippers. I'm like, here we go. Let's see how this turns out. <laughs> I'm sure people find out why they do pay their groomers what they pay them when they attempt to do it themselves. It's, uh, it's a mistake that lots of people make. So I do recommend have two groomers because keeping those nails down are really important. More than anything to keep those nails down and don't leave them too long between those grooms because it does affect their posture. And people don't realize how it impacts their posture in a big, big way. Oh, you can totally see it. The you know, spinal alignment and the... Oh, the, yeah, you can. They get that... With the, the leg joints. They get that goat stance. You know, how goats have the feet really close together. They get that kind of look. You know, I just realized I can't read my notes because I have the wrong glasses on. That's not helping. Let me switch them out. That's great. Yeah. They're bifocals and they still don't work properly. And the oldest pair of glasses I own... Scratched up like can't believe, but I can actually see now. That's a wonderful thing. Isn't it amazing how you lose your confidence if you can't see properly? It's terrible. Seeing is important. And I just, <laughs> yeah, I would say so. If and, you're reading pages. <laughs> well, if you're driving, any of those kind of things, kind of important. But last week I did get a Muffins Halo to a rescue dog who's losing its sight losing its confidence, hurting itself, crashing into things, and I happened to have one. And, and so I, you know, someone had said, oh, does anyone know how we can get one of these for a rescue? And I said, I've got one. Measure the dog. I hope it's going to fit. And it did. And it made a world of difference, by the way. A world of difference. So I'm so glad I had that. Well, we were, that, that particular, had borrowed a few times, didn't it? No. What happened was a couple of people reached out and it either didn't fit or they found that the dog adjusted to the house without using using it, which is great. I mean, it's really great. But sometimes you do get dogs that are, they're walking into furniture and walls and corners, and that's really dangerous. And it, they do lose their confidence when when they're in that situation. So I was really glad I got to send that over to Connor and Millie's for for that little dog there. Where was I going with this? Where was it? How did we get on the topic of blind and not see? Oh, my glasses! See, my glasses. glasses! There you go. 
<laughs> if you're new to the show, this is what we do. We usually do a pet tip and then we run into our weekly update. A lot happens from one show to the next in our world. Our world is all about animals and music. So here's my weekly update. Um, I actually severely burnt my tongue and uh, that led me into thinking about tongue health in pets. Yeah, because that's how I think. But we're going to talk about that more later on in the show. First, tell everybody how you burnt your tongue. So this is how, this is how it happened. Tell them how it happened. Oh, and it, it's killing now. It absolutely kills. Clickety-clack, burn your clack. It's not. No, I didn't burn my clack. Your tongue is not your... Right. A clack is a, a slang word that my family uses for the... Epiglottis in the back of your throat. So it's the back of your tongue, the back of your clack. That flappy thing. So you hurt, well, the, fr- you hurt the front of your clack, not the back of your no, clack. No, 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 no. Clickety clack, front of your clack. The tongue is not the, the, tongue clack, is not not the, the clack. clack. So what we say is, oh, shut your clack, which I'm going to say to Jim now, shut your clack. <laughs> Mike off. <laughs> That's a whole different part. Anyway, this is how it happened. Went to one of our favorite noodle places. My soup came. She carried it. She never said it was hot. She never said it was scalding. She never said it was like the surface of the sun. Once I took some on a spoon, not even a full spoonful, I couldn't, I was shocked. I couldn't believe how much it burnt my tongue. I couldn't believe it. And I just just was stunned and it really hurt. It still hurts now. A few days later, still kills. Sore clack? No, it's a sore tongue anyway. I diluted it down with some cold water and said to Jim, try this, and even you thought it was really hot. But I do love soup. It is my favorite food in the whole world. I know you do You do love your soup, but here's the thing. So I burnt my tongue, and I realized it hurts to talk, and it hurts to eat. And then I started, what, what is Mr. Twix doing, by the way? Sometimes we'll hear all kind of noises from them and barking sometimes. He's under your ottoman again, under your feet. Is he just rolling around? Mm-hmm. He goes, mm. Yeah, when he's getting comfortable. So it got me thinking how a burn to the tongue can impact how you eat, how you speak, da-da-la, tra-la-la, yeah? And how about tongue health in pets? Because they can, you know, hurt their tongues and mouths and whatever. So we're going to talk about a little bit later on about tongue health. My other update is Ginger Lead. Now, Ginger Lead is a company that came out with a sling and a sling for dogs uh, who need, I'm sure you can use it for cats if you get a small enough one, who need assistance after surgeries or they're seniors, they need help getting up, that kind of thing. And they've taken the traditional sling, which is usually not very great that you get from your veterinarian's office, and they have made it like the Cadillac of slings. And it really is so well thought out, even to the point of... They designed the sling for for girl dogs and boy dogs for obvious reasons. Don't you think that's brilliant? They thought of every little thing. Very good because people like to have an approach. It's like tools. Yeah, yeah. You need them to do the job. Can't do the job without the right tool. Without the right tools. They even thought of if you've got a sausage dog, or if you've got say a Rottweiler, you're going to need different length handles. And you know what I really liked about the product? They can get walking and they can go pretty fast once you're assisting them. But how do you control that? They have an attachment that clips onto their harness that you can pull back slightly and it'll slow them down. Especially going downstairs. The sling guider. It, yeah. It, I mean, they've thought of everything from their own experience coming home and struggling with a terrible sling, and then everybody's trying to do this bath towel method, which doesn't work. It's it's terrible. It hurts your back. There's nothing ergonomically correct going on there. And so I love that product. I saw it at SuperZoo. I was really impressed with it. I totally got where they were going with that. And I thought, if you're going to buy a sling, get that sling, because that's going to make life so much easier. So it got me thinking, because I've been doing a lot of thinking recently. We had a little um, get-together with our friend uh, Brandy Roland Wade of Animal Love and Logic and her husband just for a little coffee and a little hangout. It was really nice up in Blue Diamond. And she is she her company, she does a lot of pet therapy services. But her big dog, Loyal, who is a Rottweiler, having a little bit of trouble getting up and down. But it's important to him to be in the pool every day, in their pool, because that exercise and that freedom and that be able to increase mobility and strength with the buoyancy of the water is improving his health tremendously. But as you can imagine, Rottweiler, big dog. And if he's short like I am, like Brandy's not super tall, 
that's a struggle. That's a struggle in itself. So they've been doing the bath towel themselves because I can't imagine those little flimsy slings on a Rottweiler. It's not going to work. They bunch up, they dig in, they're terrible. So I reached out, I talked to Brandy a little bit about it. I said, why don't we do a collab, a collaboration? I'll reach out to Ginger Lead, Liz over at Ginger, Ginger Lead and see if she's interested in sending us the product. And we want to be able to help other people and their pets, help humans with their backs and help pets get up and feel confident and that they feel secure. So Liz said, yes, it's actually on its way. And so Brandy and I are going to do this um, collaboration. It will be in video format. So you'll be able to see exactly how it works. And we'll come up with some tips and tricks. And we'll link, of course, to the product itself so that you can purchase one if you need it for your pet of your own back. So that's Ginger Lead. So that was the other update. My last and final update, rose gold, the color rose gold is still a massively trending color. And it's seeped into everything from, from home decor to electronics to pet My products. mother's new iPad. Yeah. She, she, I talked to her today and she goes, we snuck a, an iPad. The whole family chipped in and we bought my mom a new iPad this week. You we know did. that? Yeah. And, and I called her today and I go, how's your new iPad? She goes, oh, I never had toys growing up and now I have toys from oh. all my grandkids. But um, she goes, and it's my favorite color, pink. So it's that rose gold. Yeah, it's the rose Mac gold apple. Apple yeah. pink, yeah. which is hard to get your hands she loves on. It. I didn't know they made it in an iPad. iPad, though. yeah. <gasps> mm-hmm. See, now it's got me thinking. Forget this whole black white thing. Anyway, so I, I I love the idea of the rose gold to, so much to the point that I've actually bought a can of rose gold paint. I'm going to be up upcycling some stuff in the house. But I also thought, well, let me see what pet products are out there. Also, let me find out what's what's out there that's rose gold, but it's got animal themes to it. And I found ten really great products. So on our blog, therockandrolldog.com, you're going to find the blog post, Ten Things You Need in Your Life If You Love Animals and Rose Gold. They're really gorgeous. The links are on there. You can buy directly from Amazon. I am an Amazon influencer, so it's going to link back to my page. It's no extra cost to you to actually click my links at all because I do have this influencer page. And uh, I think you'd really enjoy the products that I found on there. And you'll be surprised how many companies have jumped right onto the Rose Gold trend. So that's my weekly update, Jim. And I thought we would start the show, kick off the show with a topic that most people have probably never even heard of. And that is pet food and animal testing by pet food companies. What do you mean? We know about animal testing. Yes. You mean they test the food on the pets? Well, they're not pets at that point, are they? They're, they're lab, they're lab animals that are bred for testing. I mean, they just have the animals there to feed them things, feed them or test on them. <clears throat> yes, yeah. <clears throat> and I know a lot of people will be quite shocked to hear about that because typically, when we talk about animal testing, we're talking about lab animals subjected to some horrific. Oh, is that your phone dinging? Do you have that? There? No, I don't have my phone. What's here. that ding then? Where'd that it come must be from? yours. No, mine's turned off. No, I'm good with mine's my rules. not here. No, nope, mine's My off. My iPad is volume off. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> Don't blame me. That's crazy. Where did that come from? Besides, it was dinging us at this time of day. That's kind of weird. Don't even know. We've got that many electronics nope. in I the mean, studio, I'm, I'm though. I'm here doing some internet research, and my volume is off. Is your ringer off, though? Yeah, everything's off. Mm. It's just an iPad. My phone's not even in here. That's so weird. Anyway, we've we've gone up. We've gone off the course there, haven't we, Jim? Let's let's get back on the course here. So yeah, most people think about animal testing uh, with cosmetics and cleaning products, and oh, you name it. It's it's hor- it is horrific, and why it's still happening is beyond me. But these animals are bred by the facilities to test on them. They're confined. They don't get human touch. They don't get to go for walks. They don't get, you know, they just they just don't get to be happy dogs or happy cats or monkeys. It's terrible. Rabbits, pigs are, are another animal that they test on a terrible. lot. Terrible. Yeah, because they say they they say that pigs uh, have the closest reactions to humans' skin and eyes and it's such ter- and it's such. Just but terrible. 
Why is it necessary? Don't they have the data? Don't they have the chemistry anymore? Well, yeah, and if you don't, after decades and decades and decades of doing this, like, come come on. on. Exactly. Exactly. They must have the results. You really don't know that this lipstick is not safe for humans when you've used the same basic ingredients for like 100 years. Yeah, I know. So pet food is is now one of them, the pet food companies. It's not not current. They've been doing this a long time. Uh, Are doing these these testing on lab dogs and cats. In these uh, in these facilities, and uh, it's a bit of a shock to a lot of people. I've spoke to a lot of people, and they go, "That doesn't make sense." Uh, what? What? It just it doesn't seem right in their own head when they hear those two things together: pet food and testing on animals. So the question always is: Do we really need to test on animals, and do we really need to test food on animals, pet food on animals? And I say no, since the advancements in technology now are allowing scientists to use microchips instead of animals to test drugs. And so we've got to really question the necessity of any animal testing for any purpose at all. Pet food, by the way, is regulated by AFCO, the Association of American Feed Control Organization. That's not a government agency. No, it's not. I've never heard of that. It's not a government agency. However, they are putting together the standards for pet food, which a lot of people do not agree with what they feel is appropriate nutrition, what they say their standards are for animals to thrive and be super healthy, not just survive and be alive. We we want them to be optimal health. And so in addition to the nutritional analysis, um, according to AFCO, the food has to be fed to live animals. And they call this a feeding trial. Okay, so they're the words you need to remember for later on in the show when we talk about something else that's going to relate to this. So let's talk about... the fast food companies do food trials with people when they come up with new products. I thought I saw a TV show about like McDonald's where they put people in a room and they give them a nondescript plate of something and they eat it and then they have to fill out a form. Here's the thing. People have a choice. Animals don't seem to be getting a choice in any of this, do they? And that's where where we talk about just ethically what what is right morally what is right to do but here's here's the here's what really kind of blew it up and got people to realize what was happening it was to do with an undercover investigation in 2003 conducted by a peter investigator peter as in p e t a and they filmed horrific footage inside a feeding trial lab so this is a feeding trial just as what we're talking about the animal testing testing was commissioned by pet food industry giant, Iams. And what that footage showed was sick, neglected, suffering cats and dogs confined to small cages. Dogs were thrown on the floor after their vocal cords were cut off. What? They cut, yeah. For testing food. Yeah. And their back leg muscles removed. I want to know what that was about. I'm I'm going to look further into this because I just can't get my head around that. Somebody needs to... uh, That sounds like that needs animal legal defense funds. It's terrible. I, you know what? I should really go on to, onto their website and see what they've got on there. I'm sure they've got something on, on animal food trials. Now, the footage also showed lab workers that were talking about a live cat that had been washed down a drain. A live cat. So you can see they're suffering, neglect, abuse for a food trial. Are you kidding me? And, and, you know, we wonder, has anything really, really changed? You know, have they, have they improved in any which way or form? Now, there are some companies that you need to avoid. And I'm going to mention a couple of them. Iams, of course. Uh, they're owned by Procter & Gamble, by the way. Um, mm. Hill Science Diet, they also do feeding trials. They're owned by Colgate and Palmolive. Hmm. Yeah, you're, you're toothpaste and shampoo people. And then it goes down the list. Pedigree, Purina, Friskies, Natural Balance, Blue Buffalo, Whiskers. And it goes all the way through. That's not an entire list, by the way. And I'm going to help you in understanding whether your food has had a food feeding trial done on it or not. It's really easy. Now, the, the, there are two types of feeding trials. And there's one in the labs. And there's also the what they call the humane feeding trials. And so today, some companies choose not to conduct feeding trials on lab animals. You've got three levels. You've got people that, that test in the lab, people that do the, what they call these humane feeding trials, and they have companies that just don't do it. And I think Answers, answers wow. Products, I don't think they test at all, which I love that. But then again, their food's fantastic. The companies that like, don't do the lab one, is it like, hey, bring your dog in, try out some new dog food? Uh, it can be that. 
it can be i i also read that they'll no no maybe i didn't read that properly but yeah it would have to be because these are the requirements and these requirements are set by afco and these smaller alternative trials which you would hope would be more of the norm than the other must adhere to the following rules conducted on at least eight healthy dogs of at least one year old I'd love to know how they come up with that number. The trial must run for at least 26 weeks. The dogs must only eat the trial food and their daily consumption must be recorded and the dog's weight be tracked weekly and they must undergo blood tests throughout the trial. I could not find any information on these blood blood tests, the results. Where are these labs? What states are they? Oh, we've got one here. There is? Yeah, we got one. we've got one right in Las Vegas and I have a link for that as well. Hmm. Now, on AFCO's website... They list them, but they don't list them all. And I don't know why. Because that's weird. There's a big disconnect there. That's very, very strange to me. Anyway, the list is on there. I will post a link for that if you want to check for your state. Who does this? Um, Where else am I going with this? So there were the requirements. And since these trials are not performed on lab animals, they technically say they do not involve animal testing Okay. Some companies' employees will sometimes volunteer their pets for feeding trials. I would never volunteer my pets for that in <laughs> a million no. years. And the p- pets would be weighed daily, but that otherwise, uh, but other, but there's otherwise no change in their lifestyle involved. Uh, I, I'm confused. This is weird. So they're testing animals. They're test animals, but some are in the lab. Some you just bring, like you bring your dog to yeah. work day. Yeah, or some just don't do it, which we like those companies. Here comes the labeling. And uh, if you look on your bag of food, it's easy to find out if your uh, food, pet food, has been tested on animals. And it's simple by looking for a statement by AFCO itself. And remember, the AFCO stands for Association of American Feed Control Officials. And it's a voluntary membership association of local, state, and federal agencies charged by law to regulate the sale and distribution of animal feeds and animal drug remedies. Which I started to look into that. You think this is confusing. Goodness Mm. me, wait till you get... It'll be a whole different show. I feel like big words are coming up. Not that many. I'm trying not to do that many this week. So ask yourself this. This was my first thought was, if AFCO have already created the nutritional standards for the food, why do the companies need to run feeding trials? If they're saying, this is what they need, where have they, co- where have they come up with this information and why then do we need to test on that? And the trials is 26 weeks long. So how can you expect to know what that food would do to that, those animals long term? And I'm certainly not advocating for food trials of any kind and certainly not of any kind of length. So why even do these trials? I don't understand that. So back to this labeling. This is what you're going to look for. On your main ingredient list on your bag, there is a statement underneath the guaranteed nutritional analysis. And it's an AFCO statement. So you're going to see that. This, what I'm looking at right now, is a screenshot from a bag of science diet. And this is what it reads. AFCO statement. Animal feeding tests using AFCO procedures substantiate that science diet puppy health development small bites provides complete and balanced nutrition for growing puppies and gestating or lactating adult female dogs. That's your statement, animal feeding tests. That's your statement. You know it's been tested in a lab. And it has to be on the label. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be somewhere, but it's in the fine print, I'll bet. It's on the bottom. It's at the bottom. I mean, labels are deceiving as it is anyway because, let's face it, they don't list the carbohydrates, but that's about to change. There's been a, a big movement about showing fully what's in a label. I mean, we've been telling people how to calculate it if you're not sure how many carbs. And there's a reason why they don't tell you how many carbs because it's really, really high. And we know our pets don't need that. So since we are talking about AFCO, I was on, I was on their site looking at everything and everything on there. And they do have a list of ingredient descriptions. And this is exactly what I read on the website. I'm not going to read all of it because it's a lot to uh, digest. Huh. What do you think of that? Uh, what do you think of that it. little pun there? That's funny. Here's a first glance. We know um, 
labels can be very overwhelming indeed, particularly when they try and change words around. You don't quite know what that means or they split ingredients, that kind of thing. That happens a lot on labels. Here's the thing. Number one, an ingredient list is required to display all ingredients from most to the least by weight. So the very top top ingredient is going to be the bulk of the ingredient of the like regular food, food labels yeah and the biggest contributors are first and the smallest are always last so think of ingredients as major and minor this is what's on their website i would think all ingredients should be major of a major importance that's what i think i don't care whether it's a mineral that goes in there or a vitamin or it's a protein I think they all need to be of, of a major uh, priority that everything they, is I think of they're quality. talking major and minor as far as volume. I don't know. Sounds like it. Well, well, yeah, cause, I mean, of course you can expect vitamins and stuff to be smaller, aren't you? So think of it. So that, they said think of ingredients as major and minor and, um, Minor ingredients, oh yeah, you're right, are, are mostly ingredients that supply minerals, vitamins, and other nutrients. They may include a few recognizable names, but many will be chemical sounding, they said in air quotes. Okay. Um, other minor ingredients include preservatives, conditioning agents, emulsifiers, stabilizers, and coloring of flavoring agents. And all that makes my skin crawl, by the way. And if a consumer doesn't know what a certain ingredient is, he can at least compare from product to product. What does that even mean, that statement? What does that even mean? I don't know. No, I don't understand it either. And if a consumer, they can. No. Really? Right. You make it as deceptive as, as possible, possible for me to get a hold of you to begin <laughs> with. Might as well write it in a different language. Common ingredients and what they contain. It, um, animal source materials are very common major ingredients used in both cat and dog food. The following descriptions are from the AFCO ingredient definitions. Guarantors cannot modify the name and each ingredient must comply with AFCO's ingredient definition. Raw products, and I'm not going to go through the whole list because that would just bore you to tears, but you can read this on the website itself. So raw products, the four ingredients below are all raw products, though they are cooked in the process of manufacturing pet food to destroy any harmful bacteria, just as people cook their own food. Meat. Meat. If you see the the description, meat. The clean flesh flesh derived from slaughtered at mammals and limited to that part of the striate muscle which is skeletal or that part which is found in the tongue in the diaphragm in the heart or in the esophagus with or without the accompanying and overlying fat and portions of skin sinew nerve and blood vessels which normally accompany the flesh it shall be suitable for animal food now remember this they're not saying that this is suitable this is human grade this is they're saying this is suitable for animal food if it bears a name descriptive of its descriptive of its kind it must correspond there too in other words meat is primarily the muscle tissue of the animal but may include fat gristle and other tissue normally accompanying the muscle similar to what similar, similar to what is sometimes seen in raw meat sold for human consumption. This may include the less appealing cuts of meat, including the heart muscle and the, the muscle that separates the heart and lungs from the rest of the internal organs, but it is still muscle tissue. However, it does not include bone. Meat per fat pet food often meat for pet food often is mechanically separated meaning machines strip the muscle from the bone and this results in a finely ground product with a paste like consistency similar to what is used in hot dogs Ooh. That's great. Just lost my appetite. In addition to well, using, we don't eat those anyhow. I know, no, we don't. In addition to using the term meat, the the pet food manufacturer may also identify the species from which the meat is derived. May, may is that a choice? Such so as beef or pork? Is that a choice? However, to use the generic term meat on the label, it can only come from cattle, pigs, sheep, or goats. Huh? So if it says meat. Meat. You will means see meat. Certain kinds of meats. Yes, it, it, if a it, grouping it, of meats. If it's just meats, it's cattle, pigs, sheep, or goats. If it comes from another mammal, for example, buffalo or venison, the species must be identified. If the muscle is non-mammalian, such as poultry or fish, it must be called its appropriate identifying term. So now we move on to meat byproducts. I'm not going to go through their crazy little, you know, description. But, but meat byproducts are most parts of an animal other than its muscle tissue, including the internal organs and bones. And byproducts include some of the parts that Americans eat, such as liver, kidneys, and tripe, but also parts that they typically do not. Although the USDA does not deem certain byproducts, such as udders and lungs, edible for human consumption, they can be perfectly safe and nutritious for, nutritious for animals. 
As with meat, unless the byproducts are derived from cattle, pigs, sheep, or goats, the species must be identified. Wait a bit, wait a bit, wait a bit. Cattle. What do they mean by cattle? Cattle or cows. Why don't they just say cows? <sighs> That's just weird. Isn't that weird? It's just all deception. It's <laughs> like legal deception. Oh, no. Be square. So basically, they go through what the poultry means, and then we get onto rendered products. These have been cooked to destroy harmful bacteria before they are shipped to a pet food manufacturing plant. During rendering, heat and pressure remove most of the water and fat, leaving primarily protein and minerals. The term meal is used because in addition to cooking, the products are ground to form uniform-sized particles. Meat meal is a rendered product from mammal tissues exclusive of added hair, blood, hoof, horn, hide trimmings, manure, stomach, and rumen contents, except in such amounts as may occur unavoidably in good processing practices. So basically, they can say they've got great practices and you can't avoid some of that happening. It shall not contain extraneous materials not provided for by this definition. So that's how it goes, you know, on and on. Then you get onto meat and bone meal, which is a whole other level. And then you've got animal byproduct meal. No wonder people are confused. So, for example, animal byproduct meal is the rendered product from animal tissues exclusive of any hair, hoof, horn, hide trimmings, manure, stomach, and rumen contents, except in such amounts as make unavoidably in good processing practices. It shall not contain the extraneous materials not provided by the definition. Ah, hearing me. It's horrible. When you feed, like we do, a fresh, we feed a fresh raw diet, and, and whether you prepare and, and cook it gently or whether you feed raw, you know exactly what you're giving them. You don't have to try and decipher I mean, anything. Even when we don't have our, our raw mixtures prepared, we use a dehydrated high-quality brand and we mix raw with dehydrated yeah. ingredients. And it's like, I mean, we know the people that make the food, though. So, oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't cost us a whole heck of a lot more than it actually we went doesn't to a cost store us, and bought it, bags of it doesn't cost quote, us more. Unquote, feed. It, it costs us less. You know. It costs us less. And and, and this, I think that's a bit of a myth really. And people say, Oh, I can't afford to feed raw or fresh. You can actually. And you know, in Vegas we've now got a raw raw meat co op, which we never had before. So we've got these great suppliers that come into town and we've got some local farmers and you can pick up your eggs. You could pick up the goats and what which can't anymore. But um, it's all prepared. It's, it's called the grinds, and it's meat, bone, and organ already ready to go. And then you can add a, a, your, your own vegetable base mix to it and your, your minerals and your supplements and that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, it's so great for Vegas, so great. And um, it's really helping people a great deal. But I, I, for me, it's always about do you know what you're feeding them? I think that's really important. Mm that you know and you understand every ingredient on there. So then it goes on to the poultry byproducts and all of a sudden, this is kind of making me feel kind of gross. <laughs> That's how it feels to be. There are other common ingredients, animal fats and vegetable fats and oils that are added. Um, of course, we know they add corn, barley, peas, potatoes. Um, Did you say peas and potatoes? Peas and potatoes, yeah. Peas and potatoes. Peas and potatoes, and they use those as like the glue to keep the kibble together because they don't necessarily need that, and they certainly don't need it in large amounts. That's an issue too with pet food. They also you'll find dried beet pulp, dried chicory root, powdered cellulose, which is wood shavings sawdust and they say oh they they offer dietary fiber but is that a good dietary fiber it's not good is it then you run on to vin- uh, vitamins and minerals and um you know you've got to figure out whether they're synthetic or not who wants to see anything that's synthetic and so this entire list is on their their website and i love that they have a list here that says ingredients with chemical sounding names i can't believe they got that as the actual title of the list <laughs> and and this is also awful which is they've got conditioning agents goodness gracious don't even know what that is thickeners emulsifiers sequestrants flavors and seasonings that's another thing too if on your food label you not only see the statement about the feeding trials if you also see on your ingredient list that you have a, for example, natural flavor, you need to ask your pet food company if they are actually doing uh, trials, flavoring trials as well on animals. 
and ask if they're actually doing that or if they're doing it with an outside firm. Well, I've always heard that they, they can have any kind of a kibble, but they spray it with something that makes a dog want to eat it. Make it palatable because it's gross. You know, you think about this. Think about, bit about this. Say, for example, you make some... Let's have a think here. Let's say you make some sprouts and you cut them to absolute mush. There's nothing left in them. You're like, ugh. You'd have to really doctor them up to get get you to eat them. <laughs> and that's what they do, basically. They doctor up the food. They spray it with flavorings and stuff to make it palatable. Sad. I think if you have to, if you have to con your dog into eating like, something like that or your cat, rethink your food. Rethink the food. Wow. Definitely. Can't believe, though, they've got, Oh, it's just gross. It's just gross. Now, carrageenan is one of the things that you'll find find in, in these products. You don't want carrageenan in your food, not your food and not in pet food either. So you can take a look through this list and, and you'll, you can make the correct decision on what you think is right for your pets. And I think you'll get to the point where you say, you know what, let's make some fresh food for our pets. <laughs> and, and if you want to go down that path, there's some amazing resources. There are a few people I recommend that you follow. Um, dog dad is a good one and uh keep the tail wagging obviously uh rodney habib dr karen becker dr judy morgan follow her and if you want to know how to read a label watch her facebook lives they're great she isn't does, she the one that gets kicked out of stores she gets kicked out of stores That's what I thought, <laughs> filming yeah. and just reading labels and she explains it and she also talks about the imagery that's used on packaging because there are certain rules and regulations with that if it's got x amount of chicken and it's real chicken and it's breast and or it doesn't have a chicken breast in there you can't have a picture of chicken breast on there but you have it, a picture of a chicken it's a it, there's a weird way of of how that's all structured and i need to find out who actually puts that together the labeling imagery and the guidelines for that because yeah and it is deceptive you see a fresh chicken breast on there and you know what you may find and this is something i learned from her she's reading a label it says this is a chicken chicken recipe for for dogs and as she looks further down the label there's beef in it as well now what if you have a pet who's allergic to beef Hmm. So you've got to really look. It can be very, very, very tricky. Very tricky indeed. But uh, Dr. Judy Morgan, great, great one to follow as well. If you want to get started on on feeding a fresh diet, we always say, you know what? Do what you can with what you have available. And if it means if you can do one fresh fresh meal a week is better than what you did with no fresh meals a week you know can you add in a couple of blueberries every day or can you add some coconut oil can you do that one meal a week anything to improve that diet any a teaspoon of this or a tablespoon of that is going to make a difference it really is and there's there's the movement right now is not about shaming people which it used to be years ago shaming people because you're not a full raw feeder or you know you're pre- you know you're prepping at home and you're gently cooking it we don't think you should do that it's not that at all it's not that anymore because we just want to get people on the right path it's not about being perfect it's about making progress and it's about doing the best we can for our pets so there are some great resources for you if you want to read more about uh afco itself you can go to their website I think it's afco.net but i will provide these links for you in the show notes and also on our social media. So I always make sure that whatever we talk about in the show, that those links go up about every single topic, every resource, every video to make your life so much easier. On that note, Jim, let's take a quick break. <laughs> You're listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio with me, Sam, your host, the queen of rock and roll dogs. And I'll be right back. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. 
But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Okay, everyone, let's move on to our next topic. As I say, burnt my tongue earlier this week at the Noodle Place. Got me thinking about tongue health in our pets. And sure enough, I found some great information. Very interesting information, by the way. We do know this much. The tongue is a small but a mighty important organ. And here's why. The structure of the tongue is made up in this specific way. Your dog's tongue is a long, muscled, versatile organ. It's attached to the back of the mouth, uh, or as we were saying, that's like at the clack. <laughs> but, Such a clack. Um, but what is called the basidoid, basidioid bone. That's where it's attached. Think about your own health, yeah? You've seen people with those, what they call, they call it the... Gross tongue. The, the cracked tongue, there's a name for it. Geographic tongue? I think they call it a geographic tongue. It's discolored. All, yeah, discolored, whatever, yeah. Same goes for your pets too. It can tell a lot about the health. Anyway, the top of the tongue is covered with five types of tiny mushroom-shaped uh, uh, pipillae. Pipillae? Pipillae? Oh, well, I kind of like Papillae. that word. P-A-P-I-L-L-A-E. Papillae. 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 Papilla. Papilla. <laughs> Junior high health class. Papilla and pores that lead to the taste buds. The rest of the tongue is made up of small bundles of muscle, connective tissue, and fatty tissue. It also contains lots of blood vessels, which is why it will bleed like crazy when it gets a cut. We all know that. When you bite your tongue, you're like, no. And it or when you burn your clack. Or when you burn soup. your tongue, yeah. All around the tongue are openings to the salivary glands and together the tongue, teeth and mouth comprise the oral ca- cavity. Now, the tongue has a very, very important role and roles, I should make that plural. The main purpose of the tongue is to assist in eating food. And, and drinking water by bringing it into the mouth and allowing your dog to taste what they're eating and drinking. And did you know that your dog's tongue can detect the sensations that come along with like sweet, salty and sour tasting foods? Did you know that? Yeah, because dogs' sense of smell is amazing. So why wouldn't their taste It's be? amazing, isn't it? Uh, now, the tip of the tongue gives you all the, uh, your dog the ability to taste and, and lap up water Um I can't say how many times I've posted my slow motion videos of Mr. Twix lapping up my water. And it's completely fascinating. I always think everything's better in slow motion anyway. <laughs> and I'll post this video because it's worth watching. It's so fascinating how that tongue actually goes like under to get the water. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. But it does it does also assist in chewing and swallowing. Um, which I, I would think my dogs chew. I think they, they just, do. They chew their treats. I think they gobble. They, no, they chew their treats. They, seems, they seems do. Like they gobble. Um, which I'm having trouble with, you know, chewing, swallowing, and drinking, and talking because of my burn. <laughs> uh, many of you are aware that the tongue regulates body temperatures as that well. That must be why my ice cream's gone. I enjoy Your that. poor burned clack. You ate all my ice cream. I don't even like ice cream, and all of a sudden I like ice cream. It's crazy. Mm. Uh, well, uh, we only like Hagen dazs I don't like anything else. I think they're too sugary and sweet. Anyway, um, many of you are aware that the tongue will regulate and does regulate your pet's body temperatures, temperature as well. And a good reason, you know, to not take your dogs out on hot days and put them in hot cars or use a halty type collar or costumes that cover and close the mouth because that's how they cool down. And it's the air that passes back and forth over the tongue when a dog's panting that actually cools down the body itself. Hence, when I eat, I love air passing through my food. You always tell me to shut my mouth, but 
air has to pass in and mix with the food. No, they're talking about cooling the body down with the air. Yeah, but you said it helps with the flavorings. No, I didn't. <laughs> a tog, a tog, togs, a dog's tongue is fed by five separate sets of nerves that come directly from the brain through small openings in the skull. These are cranial nerves, and they originate from the base of the brain rather from the spinal cord. What? So now I'm, it had me wondering when I was reading that, is that why we're seeing cases of brain damage by people who use choke collars and prong collars? I'm going to look into that for a future base, show. Base the brain. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Yes, I'll look into that. Um, and your dog uses his tongue to clean himself and lick sore spots on his body as well as to clean up wounds or irritations. And females use their tongue to groom their puppies, also to stimulate urination and defecation by licking the puppy's urogenital area. That I do know about kittens, most definitely. With, with mummy kittens, they do that. So if you have a neonatal kitten that doesn't have a mummy, uh, you have to actually stimulate that self with a tissue. And I learned that from Hannah Shaw, Kitten Lady. Great resource. Her class was amazing. Hmm. So uh, important, very, very important roles. And there are some very common canine tongue disorders that I'd like to explain to you. Um, so if you've got a dog that's got a problem, that's a problem eating, they don't want to eat, they've got some odd chewing motion, they've got excessive drooling, bad breath, uh, a bloody discharge, it can be a primary or a secondary health issue. And here are some of the issues occur that can occur within the mouth. Uh, glossitis, inflammation of the tongue is called glossitis. It can occur alone or in combination with stomatitis, which is the inflammation of the soft tissues of the mouth. Then you've got gingivitis, inflammation of the gums, or chelitis, which is the inflammation of the lips. And there are a number of possible causes for inflammation of the tongue and mouth, including foreign body ingestion, Exposure to toxic chemicals or plants, bacterial or viral infections, immune-mediated immune disease, metabolic disease, and nutritional disorders. So it could be a number of things. Uh, ulceration is another health issue. Another tongue disorder is ulceration that occurs as a result of systematic disease like kidney failure or cancer. Um, ulcerations also develop in, strange, in a strange, mysterious disease called eosinophilic stomatitis. Now, you can get tumor growth in, in that area, and the tongue is an area where tumors do grow. It notes that, um, and note that tumors of the tongue in dogs are typically malignant, which means they're cancerous. Mm. And um, then you've got papillomatosis. Oral papillomatosis is another type of growth on the tongue of dogs caused by the papilloma virus, which you've heard about that. They're warts. Um, they resemble tiny, look like little cauliflower heads, and they can appear all over the oral activity. Mm. Activity, oral cavity. Oh my god! Laurel Canyon. Laurel Canyon. That's exactly what I thought in my own Why? head. That was crazy. Uh, it's a condition that commonly commonly resolves on its own after a few weeks. Kind of interesting. Now, your dog's tongue can sustain trauma from burns, like mine, cuts, punctures, or bites, and so can human tongues as well. So you have to be very careful. You know. Of, of, you know, watching what your pets are doing, you know, make sure you don't give them things to chew on that are really sharp, you know, those kind of things. Uh, ranula. Ranula is a cyst that grows on the underside of the tongue where the sublingual salivary glands stem from. The swelling can be so severe that the tongue can actually be pushed upwards to the roof of the mouth or over to one side. So can you imagine how, how much discomfort you're going to get from that? And again, you're going to see these symptoms like drooling and it's going to let you know something is wrong. And if you've looked into your dog's mouth, you may have observed flat black pigmented areas on your dog's tongue and gums or inside the lips and mouth. My dogs have that. These are normal and they're caused by microscopic melanin granules. Again, nothing to be alarmed about as they are normal, but um, you don't need to be that concerned. But if they do end up raising up and they're not flat and they're not flush and this, you start to see some, some raised up areas, this is when you need to go to your vet because it could be melanoma. melanoma. And here's a sad statistic. About half of all cancers affecting dogs' tongues end up being a type of cancer called uh, squamous cell uh, carcinoma. Other types of tumors that can occur in a dog's mouth are granular cell tumors and mast cell tumors. 
as whether any cancer early detection and treatment is going to improve these chances of recovery. Here's another one, cyanosis. And if you see that your dog's tongue and gums have turned a blue or purplish color, it could be a result of poorly oxygenated blood. Yeah, we've known that for a long time, a health check, right? Oh, yeah. And causes for cyanosis are quite serious and include heart heart, 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 and respiratory disease. Now, if your dog is, is not one of the breeds known to have a dark tongue, you know, just like a chow, and you do see blue and purple within the mouth, head straight to your vet, off you go. Um... And, you know, here's the thing. It is a very good thing to incorporate. You know, when you're actually petting and cuddling your your pets, which you do every day, take the time to get together with your dog when you do that, to inspect the mouth for any kind of color changes, any lumps or bumps, any chewing issues, and any kind of reluctance to eat. So observe them. You can do that daily. You'll know if there's something wrong if you if you actually observe them daily. Uh, and in humans, the tongue can show us if there's something wrong health-wise. And the same goes for your dog. Oh, Jim, can you just look this up for me? TMC practitioners, if you don't mind. It's a Chinese thing. Now, the normal, people are going to ask, well, what is normal in the tongue area? I don't even know what to look for. And the normal color is pink, unless, like we stated earlier, you've got one of the breeds of the black or a dark tongue. And... It should be an, you should, there should be an absence of lumps, bumps, growths, or raised areas. Different colors can mean different health concerns. For example, a pale or white tongue could mean a sign of anemia, leukemia, some GI issues, and maybe some malnutrition. The list is quite long for that. Those are respiratory therapists. No, it's Chinese principles. TMC. Oh, did you do TCM? TMC. Okay. What is it saying? No, it's Chinese some kind of Chinese, um, hang on, TCM. TM, you said TMC. It's one, I've written it both ways, so I'm not quite sure. Can you just check the, both for me if you don't mind? Um, I need to make sure I've got this correct before I even say it again. I want to say it's TMC, a TMC practitioner. TMC, and put the word Chinese in there. We're both trying to search here. <laughs> hang on. Now I've written it down twice differently. Now I'm... I'm Questioning myself as to what it needs to be. Traditional Chinese medicine, TCM. So you had me looking up the wrong thing. I just said you do it both ways because I've got it written both ways incorrectly. Traditional Chinese medicine. So in traditional Chinese medicine, which you're going to find that holistic veterinarians are going to be knowledgeable in that area. But they have certain principles they use to diagnose health conditions and Looking at the tongue is one of those things. And so different colors can mean different things that they can, you know, pretty much diagnose and tell you what's going on from your tongue. Like the ge- 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 geographic tongue. Geographic tongue. It looks, like, it looks like a dry lake bed. The tongue is just cracked. And we'll talk about that, you know, the, um, the uh, traditional Chinese medicine and some of their principles in a future show as to what they will can do for, for your pets as well. Meanwhile, if you do observe any changes, when you health check your pet's mouth and their body every single day, just don't hesitate to pay your vet a visit. It's so much better to go early, see, see what's going on, and if there needs to be treatment, you can then end up uh, in a better recovery position with your pets. So there you go. So that's the tongue and the mouth area. And you now know what to look for, what is healthy and what would not be healthy. Jim, I think I was going to talk a little bit, and I don't really have time, about the history of dog collars. I don't think we have enough time in today's show for that It's a huge topic, actually, because we go all the way back to Egyptian times. Egypt, and then we go... Ancient dogs. And then we go into the ancient Greece, and then we go into dogs in mythology... And then we talk about ancient collars as symbols of devotion, the dogs in ancient Rome, uh, the Dark Ages. <laughs> so Renaissance dogs, big, big topic. Very interesting, though. Very interesting. And, um, you know, comes full, full circle back to, to present day and, and where we've, uh, you know, where we've landed ourselves when it comes to dog collars. But I think we'll do that uh, in a future show. It's very interesting. I love a little bit of history. To, to throw into the show, but we'll do it next week. Well, if you have enjoyed our show, we would love for you to share the show. Pretty easy. You're probably listening on your smartphone or your eyes, or your rose gold iPad. <laughs> that would be Agnes. <laughs> and give it a share uh, with your friends and family members. We like to make sure there's a, an informational takeaway from every single show so you can go, ah, didn't know that. I just learned that. 
Or you can say, ah, that confirmed what I already thought I knew. And that's correct. I'm on the right track. And we like to make sure that we also get rid of some myths because, goodness me, the pet world is, oh, my goodness, the myths. Did I tell you about? It makes mythology seem like history. What do you mean? Mythology is myth, but it's more real than Well, you know what? Myths. Did I talk about... The... I was trying to come up with a tagline I know you on were. the fly. <laughs> did, I, did I mention in a show about a friend of mine who mentioned... Oh, I did. I did. That her dog's paws smelt like Fritos, like cheesy, cheesy what's-its. That was a show a while back. Yeah. yeah. And then someone said, oh, put them in bleach. <laughs> there you go. Where that person should put their clack in. Loose. It was terrible. And we had to message that friend and say, ah, I don't think you want to do this. She goes, oh, no. I thought, she says, I thought that was crazy too. And I said, just shows you the kind of rubbish that people are putting out there about training, about food, about cleaning little, you know, cheesy smelling paws when really you need to, you know, make sure that they don't have some kind of, um, what's the word, Jim? Fungus. Fungal, yeah, thing going on. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. But we like to try and bust those myths too to make sure that you have the correct information. Well, there you go. Remember, you can help an animal in need. Either rescue, adopt, donate, volunteer, or share that information. Rescue your next family member and replace the word shop with adopt. And we like to say be kind to all animals. Thank you, Jim, for running the show today. Thank you to my dogs for just being cute and just hanging out in the studio. I fully appreciate that. <laughs> and today you've been listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio, where it is all about our pets, people, and pop culture. I'm your host, the queen of rock and roll dogs. And always kiss your pets. Good morning and good night. And I will see you next time. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets, people, pop culture. You've been listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets, people, pop culture. Visit Vegas Rock Dog Radio for more information. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe on iTunes and iHeartRadio. And remember, give your fur babies a big kiss from me, Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs. You must not rely on the information in this broadcast from our hosts as an alternative to medical advice from your veterinarian. If you have any specific questions about a medical matter regarding your pets, you should consult your veterinarian or specialist. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.